Well, this morning we're going to be all around God's Word. I hope uh, as the lights come up, you'll open your Bibles. Um, a lot of different texts for us today. You can go ahead and open over to Proverbs chapter 24, verse 3. You'll find it also, some of these will come on the screen, some I'll uh, read to you. I do that on purpose so you don't just get like, oh, he's always going to have them on the screen, because I'm not, because I constantly find God's Word uh, throughout the weekend as I continue to study and get ready for today. And, uh, and the other thing is it just makes us want to bring our Bibles. Uh, you know, that's one of my greatest fears is that people are just going to quit bringing God's Word. I know you have your devices, and that's cool, and I use mine some, but I still, there's something about this book. There's something about turning pages. And can anybody say, I'm with you, Pastor? I just like that. I know all the young ones are going, ah, oh, man, I ain't bought a book in 10 years, man. Everything's digital. That's awesome. And I read a lot on the computer, but I love God's Word. I love to mark it, and I love to tear it up. Well, this morning, I'm going to talk about parenting. Uh, there are no perfect parents but the Heavenly Father. <laughs> Lord knows, Don and I have made our share of mistakes. I've made a lot more than she has. L let me go, go ahead and give you young people a tip. Marry over your head. Write that down right now. Marry up. Marry somebody better looking than you. Marry somebody smarter than you. Marry up. And all the men said, there you go. Hey, y'all are responding. That's good. But, you know, we, we've had fun parenting. And uh, it's not always fun, but most of the time it is. And grandparenting, oh, my goodness. I, I should do that next weekend, grandparenting. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Okay, I, I, I know I'll tell you that. But I, I want to open a little different today. There's going to be an image come up. Let's look at this first image. What's that an image of? Wait, what is it? Washington Monument. Now, these four images, you might not forget them. I hope you don't forget the fourth image I give you. But I think it relates to parenting in the sense that the Washington Monument is a solid, stable structure. It goes up. It's, it never changes. It's the same up. It's the same down. And sometimes parents uh, parent like that, regardless of the age, they, they just kind of always do the same thing. <laughs> and it might be fine when they're really young and cute, but as they get older, you, you just don't want to parent like that. You, you need to change. So it's not a very uh, effective image, and uh, we're ineffective as parents if we do that because you do have to change as kids uh, grow, as they make progress. The second image, I want you to look at this. It's the Leaning Tower of Pisa. I love this architecture. I've talked about it before, but a lot of people parent like that. They, you know, they're doing pretty good. They're, there's a structure. There's some stability, but it, it leans. It, it leans in a direction. And here's what I've learned about kids. Kids will always find the weaker parent, and they will gravitate toward them. Have you ever figured that out? Kids are really smart. Kids will learn really quick how to play you against one another if you allow them to. And then I know we live in a day and age where so many homes are fractured and broken and different custody battles and trials. So kids have really learned how to manipulate that situation and how to get you to lean toward them. But not a very good image of parenting when I think about the Washington Monument or the Leaning Tower of Pisa. But then let's look at the next one, the pyramid. Very broad-based at the bottom, and then it goes up more to a point. And freedom is very broad and I think I like freedom. I'm not for rebellion. But then there's a time that it has to change because if we don't have proper relationship, 
we just breed rebellion. And so many times I've seen, especially when I was a student pastor, I would watch kids that seemed like they were going to be the most amazing kids, and they'd get off the university, and they never had gotten some progressive freedom, and they went wild. <laughs> they went rebellion. All you that did that, stand up now. No, 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 don't do that. But you know what I'm talking about. I know some of you go, don't do that, because my kid's going off to school in about three years or a year or 20 years or whatever. Okay. But then there's a, a last image, and it's my favorite. Sandy, do you, do you do I have, this is for you. Sandy likes Dairy Queen, and so do I. There's a new Dairy Queen over by our house, and I've become a big connoisseur of yogurt the last several years. It's healthier. It's a little better for the waistline. But i got to tell you, yogurt can't touch ice cream. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and I like yogurt, but... This place is open, and I really don't go often. I, I really do guard against that, but sometimes I do. And when I go there, it's, it's a wonderful experience. So let's just close in prayer, and I'll go get a cone. No, I've got some truth for you. The base of the cone is all tight, isn't it? And that's really a good image for parenting, that we, we have stability, we have some rules, we have relationship but then, if you notice the cone, what does it do? It widens as it goes up. And that's the way our parenting, our parenting should progress. There should be gradual progression, releasing of rules and restrictions. You see, if you do the same thing for a 17-year-old that you do for a 10-year-old, I promise you one thing, rebellion, turn to the person next to you and go, he's lying. No, he's telling the truth. I remember years ago when I was a youth pastor, somebody came to me one time and had worked with thousands of kids, and, and this one kid, great kid, and she came to me and she says, would you talk to my father? Uh, that's, you always know your setup when they tell you that. And her father was a friend of mine. I said, sure. I said, what would it be about? She goes, about my restriction or my confinement, my boundaries, my prison. I went, well, you don't have to use so many adjectives. Just what is it? I have a 10 o'clock curfew, and I'm a senior in high school. I'm a good kid. I love Jesus. I walk in the light of Scripture. She quoted four verses to me. Not a bad way to start with a youth pastor. Can you talk to my dad? And I did. I said, you know, it's really not a lot of my, none of my business, but I am a pastor here. I just thought I'd share with you. You probably should begin to release uh, some restrictions. You've got some younger kids. This kid is probably going to hit rebellion. And he felt generous. He went to 1030. And by second semester, he went to 11. And she thanked me and says, I wish you would have been better. But anyway, it helped. But do you see what I'm saying? As we grow older, we, we loosen our restrictions on our kids. You're saying. And some of you kids right now, you're like, man, I love this. Like, man, I'm 17. I'm 18. Freedom! Yeah, I understand. I know where freedom gets you, too, when you don't have rules. And you don't have a relationship with Christ. You go off in the ditch. And a lot of us have been in the ditch. But I want you to write down Matthew 25, 21. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. It's a principle of the kingdom. You're faithful with small. You're faithful with little. You get much. Do you see the parenting principle there today? When you're faithful to your parents, and they can trust you. Trust you. You're honest. You don't lie to them. You don't deceive them. 
I can sit here and tell stories out of my childhood and out of your childhood and out of years of counseling about people that had deceived their folks. And even this morning, some of you are like, oh, man, I'm a deceiver. Oh, that's my middle name. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, your mama probably knows. And if she doesn't, she will, because Blake's going to tell her. No, 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 Blake wouldn't do that. Blake's your friend. He's your confidant. But he will pray you that you have conviction. Listen to Proverbs 24.3, right across the top. I want you to circle it on your outline if you take notes. It takes wisdom, circle the word wisdom, to have a good family. And it takes understanding, circle the word understanding, to make it strong. It takes wisdom. The wisdom of the Father. The wisdom of the Scriptures. The wisdoms of the commands and the precepts and the statutes of God. It takes asking God, if any boy or girl... Man or woman, if any person lacks wisdom, they should ask God, and he gives generously without finding fault to those that ask, says the book of James. And in parenting, I understand some of you, we have so many young families in our church, and I look, and so many of you are doing such a great job, and I want to encourage you, I want to be your cheerleader today. And some of you are like, you're so glad you're here. You're like, could you do a series on parenting for the next 12 weeks? And some of you would show up, and some of you wouldn't. A lot of you, you, you got to just live it out. You got to learn it. You got to get the tough thing. But I'm hoping today I can get some principles that maybe will help. So here it is five essentials of effective parenting. Number one, parenting is a decision that should be made each day. I remember when our girls were little, I remember one day that Donna had come home from the kindergarten or something, and somebody had said, I'm turning in my mother's badge today. In other words, they were fed up. I didn't say my wife did that, but somebody in the kindergarten that was in the classroom with my daughter came home and said, man, I'm just turning it in. Huh. I'm exhausted. I'm wore out. And do any of your moms, can y'all, any of you just say amen under your breath? No, that was not under your breath. I heard you. <laughs> and parenting is a decision daily. Like exercise is a decision Eating healthy, driving the speed limit, being kind to your enemies, being kind to strangers, being gracious, having action. Do not, it's, it's decision, it's decision. God, i got to stay in prayer, this parenting thing. And you know what? Parenting, as long as you live and you have children, you're always a parent. Isn't that awesome? I love being a parent. I love being a child of God above everything. I love being a husband to Donna. And I love being a father to my girls. And I love being a grandfather to my grandkids. And I, amen. And I love being a pastor. But God, I need wisdom for this thing. Parenting, I, I got to make this every day. So just, just look in there. Parenting, it's a decision. Because there's some days, let's just be real. Some days you don't want to be mom or dad. I understand. And if you ever walk in, kid, and your mom or dad are crying in the closet, it's your fault. It's your fault. They're depressed. They're broke. I thought that'd get an amen. They're discouraged. They're distraught. They're demonized. No, no, no. I mean, I don't know. I could come up with all kinds of D words. No, you give them great joy. Most of the time. But we need to pray. Secondly, you know what parents do? They prepare their kids for life. Seems like yesterday. Donna said, we're going to have a baby. Wow. 
whoa, never done that before. Huh? I got a kid on the way. Woo! And then that little girl came. And then, hey, we're going to have another child. Awesome. Because you kind of know by the time the second one gets here, you, you're a little more clued in. You, you remember the first time when you had the first child? You were clueless. Can you just turn to the person next to you and say, clueless? I know you women can't do that. I know. Men, I never changed a diaper until I had a girl. I, I, was a, I was a jock. I was an athlete. I cut yards. I, I did all this stuff. I didn't babysit. I didn't have my Red Cross certificate like my girls got babysitting. I mean, I just said, Keith, Pastor Keith wants to be. <laughs> that, that'd be weird. But anyway, I, I didn't do that. So, you know, I get to be a dad, and I get to change a diaper for the first time. And I went on to change many. And everybody's going, well, that's good. That's what, that's what parents do. That's right. But look at this. Prepare your kids for life. There, there's a verse in the second chapter of Luke, the 52nd verse. Luke 2.52. I don't know if it's going to come up, but I want you to hear what the Word says. Jesus grew in wisdom, stature, favor with God and with man. Jesus grew. Jesus developed as a son of God because he took on our earthly, bodily, physical characteristics. He had to grow, and we grow. And we grow in these different areas. And I would just say, God, help me to grow in wisdom and stature and favor with God and with man. Lord, and, and part of that, as we grow and we develop, part of that is we exercise our brains, but we also exercise consistent discipline. Now, this isn't in your notes, but this just was burning in my spirit this morning. And I should have come up with another P, and I could have easily done that. Preachers love to alliterate. I just like to, but I'm not going to do that. I just, want to, I just want you to hear this. Consistent discipline. I want you to write that down. If you don't hear anything I say today, if you can walk out of here, our church will be much happier. Your friends will hug me, and it will be a blessed place. If you will practice consistent discipline, and the church said... See, I know some of you are like, I want to be their best friend. You are their parent. You can be their friend later. Now you're saying, golly, I'm glad I'm going to your house. I bet it was horrible. Go talk to my girls. They love me. They ain't always love me, but they love me. That wasn't funny. And, but consistent. I watch my grown kids now. Rachel and Jeremy consistently discipline their kids, especially little Ramsey. She needs it. She found out what the spank stick was recently. It's not her friend. But I'm grateful that her mom and dad believe the scriptures, spoil the rod, uh, spare the rod and spoil the child. And you have to drive that little rebellious spirit away. I've often wondered, what if we had a little stick in our office and go, you're getting this now. You need a spanking. You know what I mean? No, no, don't do it. I'll, I'll do good. You know, it's amazing how repentant kids are when you pull out the stick. Years ago when I taught on parenting here, there was this device. Chrissy will remember what it was. I, I thought it was from hell. It was horrible. And it, it was just uh, this, this stick kind of deal. But it wasn't, And, man, it just, ooh, it's, it was kind of fiberglass. And all the moms had them. And I talk about discipline. And they'd hold them up and wave them like, this is my Bible. This is my spanker. Man, thank God we got rid of those. I watched one of you pull one out. But pride is discipline with your kids. They need it. They crave it. You're saying, you haven't been to my house. When I get ready to discipline my kids, they scream. Well, sure they do. They're fixing to get tore up. It's part of it. Come on. I, you know, and I talk about this, 
I remember we got a dog before we had kids so I could learn. <laughs> we did. And I was, I was learning about the dog, you know. And then we had a kid. I remember the first time I ever had to spank Rachel. I didn't have to spank her much because you just, she, you, you would look at her and she's like, oh, can I obey? And she did. I remember the first time I spanked her, I went in my room and cried for 30 minutes. I did. Donna's like, are you okay? I'm like, no, this is horrible. I hate being a parent. She's a little angel. And then we had Hannah. And um, awesome, awesome kid. Love my daughter. But she told me one day, Dad, it's worth it. I'm like, I mean, you know, if I had a little boy, I'd have probably tore him up. But, you know, little girl, you know, little princess. And she says, Dad, it's okay. It's worth it. I'm like, no, it's not worth it. Got to, you know. And now she's an incredible, disciplined young lady that teaches children for the glory of God. And she knows the value of discipline. And she loves to shape little hearts. I knew that they were getting it. Let me get to this. So parenting, prepare your kids. Whose responsibility is it, parents? It's yours. Deuteronomy 6, 7 from the Living Bible just says this. You must teach these commandments to your children and talk about them when you're at home or on a walk, at bedtime, and the first thing in the morning. It's Deuteronomy 6, 7. The Orthodox Jews still quote this verse over and over throughout the day. They're, they're serious about it. They want to shape character and values. Another thing, just in the side, parents, make lists of priorities that you have for your home, for your children. I make lists all the time. A lot of you are list makers. I understand that. If I make lists, I have a chance of maybe achieving some things. If I don't make lists, I, I, I tend to fail miserably. So one generation makes Known your faithfulness to the next, says Isaiah 38, 19. As Christian parents, we pass on our faith, our values, our convictions to our kids and to the next generations if we do it God's way. Look at the third thing. Parenting. Prepare your kids. Protect your kids in the storms. Your kids are going to have storms, and so are you. And they stink, and they're hard. But the Father has created and developed and allows storms to conform us to the image of Christ and to shape our character. And it's, a, it's an awesome thing. Proverbs 14, 26. Reverence for the Lord gives a man deep strength. His children, they have a place of refuge and security. Storms. I love what Rick Warren said about storms. Life is full of storms that batter us. But we all need a place of safety, of refuge, of rest, of peace, of protection. All these storms come into our lives, and some days more than others, and some days more profound than others. And he says, but here's what I know. We'll experience this in storms, change. Relationships change all the time. Mom and dad are together. Mom and dad are separated. Mom and dad are here a parent dies, a parent leaves, grandparents die, parents move, job changes, health changes. Lives just don't stay still. I told somebody this morning, all I know is I've got this moment, and I better live this moment like you to the fullest and to the glory of God because I could get hit by a bus when I leave here. That would probably be weird because I don't, I don't know that I'm going near a bus, but, you know, something had happened. I mean, I, I tell you what, I was going to see my friend Cad the other day for lunch. I was riding down Vaughn Road. We live off Vaughn Road. I've driven down Vaughn Road thousands and thousands of times. 
And it was weird. I left the church the other day. It was raining. It was sunshining by the end of Ryan Road. I turned right. It was sunshining. It started raining. It started sunshine. Then it hit rain. And then I got ready to turn left in to meet my friend. And a car, it was my right to go turn left. You know what I'm saying? I was out there ready. And I looked up and something said, the brother's not stopping. And he didn't. Boom! We didn't hit. We could have. Man, it just showed me, man, life, man, can change in the blinking of an eye, especially when you're hungry. You know, you're just not paying a lot of attention here. Change. Look at this. Here's a storm. Failure. Nobody wins all the times. Sometimes you get passed over for the promotion. Sometimes you don't make the team. Sometimes you fail the test. Sometimes you just don't get what you want. So that's a storm. Another one is rejection. To be criticized. To not feel like you're a part of the in crowd or the, the team or you didn't make the team or people are laughing at your flaws. I preached a message months ago about the little uh, guy with the dot. Remember that? Anyway, yeah, it must have been a great message. I, I heard a lot about it, none of anybody remembers. Anyway, the, the whole thing was people label us, and sometimes we carry those flaws throughout life. So rejection, we have to fight it off. So how do you build a, a home that works better, that's stronger? You learn, you learn to hear. You listen to the people in your family. You pull up a seat. You turn your device, your phone off. Do I have an amen? I knew you weren't going to like it. I don't really care. It's my, one of my deep concerns for today's culture. Yeah, I, I take mine out. Occasionally I have it in here for photos, but I keep it on my desk here on Sunday. I, I just do not want to be distracted by it. I watch it. it. It drives us. Sometimes we need to take a media Sabbath. You know what I'm saying? I used to love it when I would leave the office and I was gone. Now, man, if you don't answer in 32 seconds, somebody's like, man, are you mad? No, I'm not mad. I just got a life. How about you? Here, listen, here, you listen to your kids. You hug them. You give them great affection. I love this. You tickle them. Hey, when was the last time you rolled on the floor and tickled? Now, if you got teenagers, that's going to be a little ridiculous, okay? Don't go home. Son, let's roll on the floor and tickle. Dad, I'm 18. I'm graduating from high school this year. This is weird. Could you go to therapy? Could you go see Pastor Keith? That was a stupid no. But your kids are little. The other day, I'm, I'm laying on the floor. I'm, I'm playing with my granddaughter. And I don't know what happened. All of a sudden, I, I looked over this way because she, like, she got you know, something else to do. And I'm looking over here, and all of a sudden, she comes running across the room. Bow, boom, right on me. Hey! Yeah, oh, it was great. Yeah, took the wind out of pop. You know what I'm saying? But she, she's going to remember. I watch her and her dad. Matter of fact, they do all these songs, and they play. We went to the pool the other day. Pop, love is an open door. Oh, no, no, I, I don't sing like your mom or daddy. Oh, Pop, you have to sing. My daddy sings. Oh, thank you, Jeremy. I love you, too. That's awesome. Everybody got up and left the pool. It was embarrassing. Okay. No, I'm lying because nobody was at the pool. Okay. All right. So, hear, hug, hope. Build hope into your family. Let me, let me just say this. this. This is so critical. Be your kid's number one cheerleader, mom and dad. Do you hear what I'm saying? You teenagers, when y'all get to be mom and dads, make sure you're a cheerleader. I've always thought that nobody has the front seat like you do as a parent to influence your kids and cheer them on because this world is cruel this world is mean do you know what i'm saying parents you're like school just started back johnny's come home with best friends give him a few months there'll be somebody that won't be as nice to your son or daughter and you need to cheer and you need to encourage you need to put and then help them 
Unhealthy families ignore their problems. They don't ask for help. If you need help, ask for help. Talk to other Christian parents. Call us. Let's sit down. Let's work through this together. You know, you you can't take your children from the storms of life, but you can protect them in the storms of life. Because you're going to have storms, and I am too. I don't want anything. if, If I could do it, nobody would ever suffer. But then you would never grow. But because we suffer and struggle, we grow through the storm, especially with healthy parenting. Let's look at this one. Parenting, prepare, protect. Positive parenting is worth high value, high honor. I like what Mark says in 325. A home filled with strife and division destroys itself. Y'all know that I'm a huge John Maxwell fan. I've been to many of his leadership seminars and watched them, and we've bought so many of his books. I've read just... He had another one come out the other day. I mean, you know, John's just a prolific writer. But he told this thing I thought was interesting. He says, my dad, Melvin, was the most positive person I've ever met. My dad lost his mom at the age of six. My dad grew up during the Great Depression. My dad's temperament was choleric temperament. That means they're prone to be pessimistic. He says, but my dad was the most positive man I ever met. And I asked him one day, Dad, why are you so positive? He says, son... When I was a teenager, I was watching successful businessmen in our community. And I wanted to study and see what it was that made them tick. And he said, I found one common ingredient. They all had positive attitudes. The other day, I remember Ramsey came to me. He goes, Pop, my dad said have a good attitude. And I thought, man, that's, that's a word for Pop. Pop has a stinky attitude. W. Clement Stone, it says, there's a little difference in people, but the little difference makes a big difference. The little difference is attitude, but the big difference is whether it's positive or negative. And this morning, I'm just wondering, do you have a positive attitude or do you have a negative attitude? I'm not trying to say, let's pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. We need the power and the strength and the presence and the anointing of Jesus. But there is good sense that we say, Lord, help us to be positive. You know, that's one of my prayers every day. I pray, God, make me a prayerful believer. God, make me a passionate champion for Christ. And I beg, God, make me positive. Because I'm prone, I've been prone to be real encouraging. I've been prone, I've noticed in recent years, to go the other way. So I'm like, God, help me be positive. And I thought, man, that's a good word for all the parenting skills. And for parents here today, are we positive in our homes with our kids? We catch our children being good. Like right now, school's starting, brand new slate, brand new year. Do you find yourself criticizing them, threatening them, punishing them all the time? Or do you find yourself being positive with adequate discipline and trying to cheer them on? Listen to what Proverbs 10, 11. The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life. As a Christian parent, your word should be life-giving. And then the, another one would be Proverbs 18, 21. The The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Lord, when we speak, can we speak life? The other day when I was talking to my friend Robert, he's getting ready to go to California, I pray a passage out of Deuteronomy often. May I choose life, not death. May I choose blessing, not curses. In Jesus' name. We all have that power. Do y'all believe your tongue has great power? James says it sits in the very fires of hell ablaze. And it's the same mouth that we go, Lord, let your praise ever be on my lips. 
Lord, help us to be positive and say praise and, and be sure that most of our communication is positive. And, and sometimes, you know, we, we can train ourselves. I think together, together as a faith family, I think we can train ourselves to be positive parents for Christ. Don't expect perfection. I don't know. Maybe you are a perfectionist. Maybe you grew up in a perfectionist home. Man, I'm sorry. Learn to give some grace. You can have some rules. They're good. But rules without relationships always breeds rebellion. Rules without relationship just breeds rebellion. Christ, we want you. We want to speak respectfully. You know, what do you tell your kids? Baby, stupid, liar, crybaby, deceiver, can't believe you did such an idiotic thing. No. Child of God, my princess, dreamer, star, lover of his soul, my little champion. The other day, my granddaughter decided she'd help her dad's skills. She took her sunglasses and she threw them in the potty. And it clogs toilets. It's not good for them. It's not recommended. She came over to see me the other day. She goes, Pop, I threw my sunglasses in the potty. Not good. She didn't go, my dad and mom have been screaming now for three weeks. Could I live with you and Mimi now? No, she didn't say that. But I, I, I love the way she's so honest. She just comes up and goes, I threw him in there. My son-in-law, I'm so proud of him. He took that toilet down to the floor. Pieces are everywhere. Got it all put together. And he puts it on Instagram, and there's a picture of the glorious sunglasses that will reign forever. <laughs> Positive parenting. Wow. Do, do, your, do, do your kids ever do crazy stuff? We were building a house a couple years ago in Mexico. And Justin Jantz, that used to go to church here, we excommunicated him. No, he moved to Georgia. We had, paint, we had worked on this house. We were getting ready for the build. It was beautiful. I turned around and I looked, and I'm like, really? His son had found the only paint bucket left out. And he went over there and started just painting this beautiful home. And Pastor Keith went into a demonic fit, and I started, I did not. I just looked and said, is your kid? <laughs> and he got over there and started rolling, and guess what? It was all good. You know, we probably should have left it on there. What a signature. Wouldn't that have been cool? <laughs> no, it would have been stupid. But anyway, all right, here we go. Be a positive parent. Look, look at the fifth one. Point your kids to God. God, help us to point our kids to you. Man, that's the most critical thing that I want to say today is that live your life purpose to live your life in a way that emulates the life of jesus and by the things that you do point your kids to the king point your kids to christ i've made that my purpose i've failed many times if you know ask my girls but they would probably protect their dad but i always wanted to point them to jesus and so did their mom it's my greatest joy is that they both love Jesus with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. When they came to university time, I was wondering what I could do. What could be a great gift that mom and I could give? We'd sacrifice to put them through university and get a great education, and we're thrilled to do that. But I said, what can we get them? What can we get them? And God showed me that I could take the Scripture and I could read a Bible their senior year of college, and I can mark it up with all notes from dad. 
And on their graduation from college in 2006 from Auburn University, I gave Rachel a Bible that I read in her honor. I hope it's one of her treasured honors. In 2012, sister graduated, and I did the same thing. I was looking at those Bibles in their homes one day, and I looked. They both graduated the same exact day in May, just six years apart. But they had God's Word read by their dad. So dads, listen, I'm challenging you. You got little kids, you got grandkids, it's never too late. Begin to read a Bible on behalf of your kids and mark it up and give it to them as an eternal present to the glory of Jesus Christ. Amen? Man, point them to Jesus. Man, they already know what I'm like. They know, Dad, you're a mess. I read a story about a man that read the Word of God 38 times in 45 years. And in the later part of his life, he read it four times completely through in one year. And, you know, and, and then somebody asked him, says, how did you do that? He goes, I refuse to read anything else until I read God's Word first every day. And this is not a word of indictment, but I just ask you, have you ever read this book from beginning to end in your spiritual journey with Jesus? I've read it several times. I've read the New Testament, I can't tell you how many times. You can read the New Testament in 90 days easily. Anybody can read the New Testament in 90 days and you're done. I try to make that a habit that I try to read it over and over and over and over and over because it gives life to the soul. And the church said, I want to love God's word. I want to pour people to God. Fill this in. Your children are a gift from God. Your children really are. They're a gift from God. Children are a gift from God. They are his reward Children born to a young man are like sharp arrows to defend him. Happy is the man who has a quiver full of them. That man shall have the help he needs when arguing with his enemies. Deuteronomy 16, 11, Celebrate with your whole family. Ecclesiastes 11.8. People ought to enjoy every day of their lives, no matter how long they live. Here's another thing I've learned about kids. Kids make us laugh. Do your kids make you laugh? Your kids make me laugh. They're just funny. And write down things they say. Your kids can say some of the funniest things and and i don't want to i've already embarrassed my kids enough so i would not do that anymore today and and, and we we have a book you know and i'm i'm looking for it i've misplaced it but it, things they've said it's it's fun anyway do that for your own family okay embarrass them healthy families are always intentional to build healthy families you have to be intentional it's a good word i want you to look real quickly on here i gotta wrap this up look at these slides right here is there a plan I want to tell you, is there going through I want to tell you about somebody? Dick and Judy Hoyt had this young man, Rick, in 1962. The cord was wrapped around his neck, had a loss of oxygen to his brain. He had all kind of health problems and damage and brain damage, and, or not a lot of brain damage, other damage, and had cerebral palsy. And Dick remembers the advice of the physicians at the hospital when Rick was born that Essentially, your son will be non-functioning. You need to go put him in, in an institution for the rest of his days. Instead, Dick and Judy decided to bring their son home and do life with him and to swim and sled and street hockey and just do all kinds of things. And whenever they would spend time with their son, they noticed that he lit up, that he, that he smiled, that he responded. Now, he wasn't able to speak or control his limbs, but he did attend school. And then he learned about this computerized voice to tell his dad 
about this event. There was a charity road race coming up. Somebody that had a, an injury had been injured, and he said, Dad, could you and I enter this race together? Because this young man that they thought should be institutionalized had compassion. And Dick recalled, I am not a man in shape to do those kind of things, but my son wants to, so they decided to go for it. Rick loved being with his dad. Let me say this. Kids just love being with dad. They love being with mom. They just do. And as a great parent, as a great dad, he responded to his kids' request. And then he went on to respond to request after request. And I read the story. I was just so fascinated by him. For 37 years, they ran and ran. They did all these events, and they had special events created for him, and he would carry him, and they would do marathons and sacrifice time and energy and money. And Team Hoyt, Dick was 73 and Rick 52, decided to make the 2013 Boston Marathon the ultimate grand event because they'd done all these events, and this son was getting famous, but this son cared, and he had life, and his dad loved him. He, when, I, when I read this, I've read multiple stories on him. I think, this guy's a super dad. Love this guy. Don't, I don't know him. I'd love to meet him. But in 2013, y'all might recall what happened. They were on the 23rd mile mark. And the dynamic duo could not finish because the bomb went off. And it was to be their last race. But it couldn't end that way. So in 2014, they prepared again, and they did their final race in 2014. Is that awesome? And I tell you that story, you say, why, why do you say that? Because parents have influence, and this dad and mom influenced this kid that people just said, just put him away. You have influence. In the Hebrew... In Deuteronomy 6, it's called the Shammah. And if you'll just look at Deuteronomy 6 and read that this afternoon, because I don't have time to read it for you like I wanted to. But the Orthodox Jewish homes would read it in morning and evening and home blessings. And today they say that even at the deathbed of Jewish people, they quote this. They say this over them. And it's a law of priority. And here's what, I, what I've come to say today. Can you pass on your priorities of faith to your kids and to your kids' kids and to the next generations and bless the name of Jesus? That's what it means to be a kingdom parent. I love what Joshua says. Choose today whom you will serve, but it's for me and my family. We're going to serve the Lord. I just realized that I missed a little section, so let me give it to you, and then I'm going to have the team come. The all list. The all list. Okay? You ready? I want to give this to you. Man, I just got too excited about this today. Affection, warmth, and encouragement, says Jim Burns. Number one, say I love you. Tell your kids every day, often as you can. My kids have never tired of me telling them I love them. And I will tell them I love them to my last breath. I grew up in a home that we didn't say a lot of that to the last 10 years of my life. And I would love to hear my dad just say one more time, because I heard it the last 10 years, I love you, son. I love you. Tell your kids you love them. Make it a positive reinforcement mental reminder. Secondly, show physical affection to your kids. Shower your kids in affections, mom and dads and grandparents. Bolster their self-image. See, listen to them. Listen, really listen to them. And for me, I find that if I've got to really listen to them, I've got to turn my phone off, I've got to quit doing what I'm doing, and I've got to say, okay, I've got to focus on you because I need to listen to you. D, use eye contact. 
Body language, they're cluing in. They hear that more than what I say. Just clue in. You've got my undivided attention, son, daughter. It's all yours. And we can do that together. And the last one, it's a whole series coming up in a few weeks. Pray. Pray fervently. Pray for them daily. This is what I've learned about my kids. It's my high and holy honor as their earthly dad to pray for them. I pray for them all the time. And I pray you pray for your kids. It makes a difference. How many of you believe prayer makes a difference? How many believe prayer makes a difference? If you don't, you need to be in the next series coming up in a few weeks. We're going to talk about that. Chuck Swindoll said this, and we're going to sing a great song it as well. Each day of our lives, we make deposits in the memory banks of our children. What kind of deposits are you making into deposits of your children? Make a love deposit this afternoon. Do something with your child. Roll around the floor with them. Spend time with them. Take them to Dairy Queen. I don't know. Do something with them. Go fishing with them. Go fishing with them. Let's pray. Lord, you're an awesome God. And I thank you for this service of just practical application, biblical teaching. Shape us, Lord God, by your Spirit. We want to know Jesus more fully. And we want to present him to our kids and our grandkids and to the next generation that they might rise up and say, Blessed be the name of the Lord God Almighty on high, that he reigns now and forever. Amen.